Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Mike Johnson was telling me that he visited Manhattan one time in the wintertime. It was cold and it was freezing, but he decided to go to the ice skating rink at the Rockefeller Center. So I went there, and, and there was a father and a little boy skating, and the father was holding the little boy's hand, and all the little boy just kept saying incessantly, Abba, 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 Abba. That was what he was saying there from Israel. So that's a picture of what the Bible means in, in Romans 8.15. After we have transferred from being from having the spirit of bondage to having the spirit of adoption, just like the little boy. We reach out, our, reach out our hand to God. We say, Abba, Abba, Abba. But when we became adopted by God, by God the Father, that not only changed our relationship to God the Father, because now the Father, but it also changed our relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because as from the adoption, then we became brothers to him, just like Joseph was related to his brothers. Our adoption by God the Father's made us brothers to the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, in, in David's time, of course, we know this, that, that he was from the tribe of Judah. He was from the tribe of Judah. And they didn't come out. They weren't the first to come out and bring him back after the Absalom Rebellion. And so David, David sent a message to them. And it's interesting what he said in, in 2 Samuel 19.12. In 2 Samuel 19.12, this is David's message to Judah when he said to Judah, ye are my brethren, ye are my bones and my flesh. It's interesting he says that. He's describing to them that he was related to them. He says, my brethren, and then the two words, bo- my bones, my flesh, bones and flesh. And what's so interesting because when he uses those words is that those are the same words, bones and flesh, that are used to describe how after the adoption, we are related to the Lord Jesus Christ. It says in Ephesians 5.30, Ephesians 5.30, we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. Now, at the end of verse 1, we can see how Joseph explained to Pharaoh that they're already in the land of, of Goshen, and he didn't say they, they, they've, they've made that their home, but he left the door open, you know, for Pharaoh to, to make another decision. But for the moment, that's where they were. So after his private meeting with uh, Pharaoh, Joseph then decides to bring, bring his brothers, some of his brothers, in verse 2, to meet Pharaoh. And he took some of his brethren, even five men, and presented them unto Pharaoh. So Joseph... He now goes out and he chooses five of his brothers to come. Don't you wonder which, which five they were <laughs> and how he made that decision? 
I'm sure Reuben was not one of them. Hey, Reuben, you know, oh man, it's dangerous to have Reuben. He's so impulsive. He says and then he thinks, you know, he's dangerous. But I wonder what the criteria was for, for, for Joseph choosing out those five, those selected there. He probably, he, he probably was watching them very carefully for who was taking him the most seriously when he was telling him, this is what you got to say to Pharaoh. I mean, after all, this was a tense meeting. This was a tense meeting. I mean, that the brothers should behave themselves and not do something stupid. Not that they ever did anything like that, but anyway, they, <laughs> but it, 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 he probably chose Judah. He probably chose Benjamin. I don't know who else he chose, but he chose five. They gotta be the types that are the cooler heads types. Not, and it's really something that it says in, in verse two that Joseph then presented them to his brothers to Pharaoh. I mean, can't you picture Joseph bringing in those five brothers and saying to Pharaoh, these are my brothers. These are my brothers. I mean, with no hesitation, Joseph says, these are my brothers, you know? I mean, it's not like he, he comes in there in shame and said, yeah, there they are. There's my brothers, you know. Yeah, what are you going to do? These are my brothers, you know. I didn't choose them to be my brothers, but that's what I got. No, it, it wasn't with this air of apology that Joseph brought in his brothers and said to Pharaoh, these are my brothers. We can imagine he's happy. He's happy. He said, these are my brothers. This is really something. I mean, and, and just, just kind of picture this. This great man, Joseph, he's great in all the land of Egypt. He's famous throughout all Egypt. Everybody knows his name throughout all Egypt. It was, it was when he came into a town, it was Joseph is coming, Joseph is coming. And when he got there, every knee bowed before him. And he was a very great man in Egypt. Now, by contrast, here comes these rough and tumble, you know, looking shepherds. I mean, their clothing was atrocious, but Joseph had already taken care of that because he sent with the wagons changes of clothes. But who knows if they had a shower or not, what they must have smelled like. But that actually kind of worked in Joseph's favor because, you know, the abominable part, the shepherds. But the point is, is that Joseph was a very great man in Egypt, and he was living in the palace, and the famine, on the other hand, had reduced his family to paupers. And yet, this great man, Joseph, owned his brothers as his own family. In spite of their poor condition, this great Joseph fully owned them as, these are my brothers. You know, that reminds me, I've told you this before, but that reminds me of a true story that happened in England, where there was a woman, a very poor woman, whose husband had died. She was a widow and left her destitute, and she had just one son, and she had to raise him on her own. And she so wanted her son to, to, have a, to, to rise out of this life of poverty. And so she determined that she would send her son to university. And by that his education, he's going he's, he's to rise out of poverty. So she worked all her life for this. I mean, it was expensive. It took money for him to go to university. So she worked day and night as a washwoman. And she just took in laundry and worked her knuckles, you know, to, to the bone to make money so that her son could go to university. And her son went to university. And at university, he also did not want to be known as someone who'd come from poverty, from a poor family. So he hung out with the rich kids in the university. He associated with the kids who had, with the, with the, with the students there who had lots of money. 
And finally the day came of graduation, and the mother was so happy to see her son uh, graduate. All those washings at the laundry, those years, day and night, finally came to fruition when his son got, when her son got up there and got his university degree. And so after they had given him his university degree, his mother couldn't contain herself and she yelled out from the crowd his name. And when that happened, one of his rich friends said to him, who is that? And he said, oh, pay no attention to her. She's just an old washwoman that used to do my wash for me. That hurt. But what happened? What happened there? At university, he had become a somebody. And he was now ashamed of his mother, who was a nobody. And he refused to own her as his mother and because she was poor. Well, that true story shows the impact of verse 2 here when it says Joseph presented his brothers to Pharaoh. I mean, Joseph was a great somebody. His brothers were nobodies. But the great somebody owned these men as his brothers. And in verse 2, we can also see that scene of him owning his brothers his own and saying to Pharaoh, these are, our, these are my brothers. And that makes us think of the Lord Jesus. Why? Because just think of how great the Lord Jesus is. I mean, it says of him in Revelation 19, 16, Revelation 19, 16, he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a, a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I mean, that's a title, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. In Revelation eleven fifteen, Revelation eleven fifteen, it says, and the seventh angel sounded and there were great voices in heaven saying, kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. I mean, the Lord Jesus is so great. He's going to reign forever and ever. And Philippians 2.10, Philippians 2.10 says that just his name, just his name at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven, things in earth, things under the earth. He's so great that just the mention of his name, and there's a bowing. Now we think of the greatness of the Lord Jesus, and he says in Matthew 10.32, Matthew 10.32, Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess before my Father which is in heaven. All his greatness, all our nothingness compared to him, and he's going to present us and say, these are my brothers, these are my brothers, just like Joseph. And that's what's illustrated for us in verse 2 as the great Joseph presents his brothers to Pharaoh. He's not ashamed to do it. It's an illustration of when the great Lord Jesus is going to present us to the Father. And just like Joseph was not ashamed saying, these are my brothers, that's the description that's given for us of in Hebrews 2.11. Hebrews 2.11 says, he is not ashamed to call us, to, to call them brethren. He is not ashamed to call them brethren. But there's something else that's significant about verse 2 when it says that he presents them to Pharaoh. Just think of what his brothers had done to him. I mean, first they want to kill him. Then they sell him as a slave into Egypt. He still presents them to Pharaoh, and he's happy and glad with them as his brothers. And, and think about what we did to the Lord Jesus when it says in Isaiah 53, 5, that they were ours. They were, that they were our transgressions that he was wounded for. They were our iniquities that bruised him. And, and he was punished so we could have peace. And, and, and he was beaten so we could be healed 
Because all we like sheep have gone astray, we've turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. It's because of our personal iniquities, our personal transgressions that the Lord Jesus died. In that sense, we killed him. We nailed him to the cross with our sins. And yet he's just like Joseph. The Lord Jesus, just like Joseph, he presents us to the Father as his own. Even after what we did, even after we were responsible for his crucifixion because of our sins, the Lord, still like Joseph, is not ashamed to call us brethren, Hebrews 2.11. He is not ashamed to call them brethren. Now, we see how Pharaoh speaks first in, in verse 3. And Pharaoh said unto his brethren, what is your occupation? They said unto Pharaoh, thy servants are shepherds, both we and also our fathers. So sure enough, just like Joseph said, that was the question that he knew Pharaoh was going to ask him, what is your occupation? And we can imagine here that when he said that, what is your occupation, that Joseph is standing off the side and he's saying to himself, come on, boys, (laughs) remember your lines. You know, I went over with you a thousand times. Don't say anything more and don't say anything less than what I taught you. And they did in verse three. It was perfect. They said, thy servants are shepherds, both we and also our, our fathers. And, 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 and when they said that, we can see Joseph smiling and saying, yes, good job, boys. Perfect. He said exactly what I told you to say. Great job. You did it. Now don't say anything more. <laughs> and that's the problem in verse four, because, uh, you know, at that point, we can imagine Joseph, after they said there, what he told them saying there, we can imagine Joseph saying, uh, thank, thank you, boys. It was nice for you to meet uh, uh, Pharaoh. You better go now. You better go now. But b- before he could get that out, they continue to talk. And that's where the word moreover comes in, in verse four, in verse four, where it says, they said moreover unto Pharaoh. Oh, no. For to sojourn in the land are we come, for thy servants have no pasture for their flocks. The famine is sore in the land. Now, therefore, we pray thee, let thy servants dwell in, 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 in Goshen. So those words, they said moreover unto Pharaoh, it's telling for us, because at this point, you know, Joseph's ready to have a heart attack because they're just, they're, they're off script now. They're off script. And they're telling Pharaoh more than Joseph wanted them to say. And they're now telling Pharaoh that, they had no pasture in Canaan, and the famine was really bad, and they're asking for permission to stay in, in, in Goshen. And at this point, Joseph's ready to say, I think I can hear the sheep calling you. You better go now. You know, take care of those sheep. Thank you all for coming. He wants to scoot them out the door. He never asked them to say this. He never asked them to say that they came to Egypt because of the famine, because there's no pasture for their flock. The script was just that they were coming to Egypt to be with Joseph. That was the script. And Joseph knew that if they just emphasized that, that they were coming to Egypt to be with Joseph, that that was going to persuade Pharaoh because Pharaoh loved Joseph. If they said that, then they loved Joseph. So but they were coming to, but instead they had to go on about this. They're coming to Egypt for relief from the famine, and they had no pastures for their flocks. And there's, I mean, Pharaoh was not in the business of being a world relief agency by giving up the best of his land to refugees. And, they, and so they should not have said this, that they came to Egypt because of the famine. They should have just said, look, we came to Egypt because we love Joseph, and we wanted to be with Joseph, we wanted to be close to him. And that would have resonated with, with, with Pharaoh if they just had just stayed. They messed it all up. 
by telling Pharaoh that they were refugees in need of relief from the famine. And furthermore, Joseph asked them, Joseph never asked them to, to ask Pharaoh for permission in, in, in Goshen. That was Joseph's job. He was going to be the one who was going to ask for permission, not theirs. So when they left the room, you can imagine how Joseph just looked like a nervous wreck. And maybe Pharaoh saw that and indicated, uh, that's okay, we all have relatives like that, you know. But, but there was one thing good that they did say, of what they said, and, and when they went off script. And as in verse two, verse four, when they told Pharaoh that they had come to sojourn in the land. They use this word sojourn in the land. Now when they said sojourn, just like the word means, it means they were coming for a temporary stay not a permanent. Now, that wasn't part of the script that Joseph went over with them, but it was true. And it shows that the brothers had gotten the message loud and clear that they're only gonna, that they're gonna return Canaan. The land of, that was the land that God promised to them, not the land of Egypt. And so it was true, and when they used the word sojourn, it means that they got it. And they were only intending to stay in Goshen temporarily, not a long time. Of course, they weren't thinking that the temporary stay was gonna be 400 years, but anyway... So they use this word sojourn and because, because they knew Egypt's not our home. And it made a difference for them to know that their stay in Egypt was only going to be temporary, along with the fact that they were viewed as abominable by the, by the Egyptians. But they got this concept that Canaan was where they were going to settle, and Egypt was just temporary. And so they used this important word in verse 4-7. It's an important word for us for us to embrace as we look at our life on earth. Our life is a sojourn on earth, just a temporary stay. Heaven is our ultimate final home. Just like Abraham, we look for that city, it says in Hebrews 11.10. Hebrews 11.10 says about Abraham, he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. What does that mean? It means that Abraham was 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 not happy and content on earth. He was kind of antsy, you know, looking for the city that he could call home. Like the song says, um, uh, 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 I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. That's why the Bible calls us strangers and pilgrims. Strangers and pilgrims. It says in 1 Peter 2.11, 1 Peter 2.11, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul. And in Hebrews 11, 13, Hebrews 11, 13, it's talking about all the ones who died in faith. And it says, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them, the promises, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Now, even though the brothers wandered off script, and told Pharaoh that they were refugees in need of pasture and food, and that's why they came to Egypt. Pharaoh corrected their error. He corrected their script that they should have said in verse 5. What it says in verse 5, Pharaoh spake unto Joseph, saying, Thy father and thy brethren are come unto thee. So that's important what Pharaoh said. Pharaoh did not say to Joseph what the brothers said to him in verse 4. Pharaoh did not say in verse 5, Thy father and thy brethren have no pasture for their flocks. The famine is sore in the land of Canaan. They need to dwell in the land of Goshen. He didn't say those things. He corrected 
their script and said to Joseph what the brothers should have said if they had they stayed on script, which was, verse 5, thy father and thy brethren are come unto thee. Now, let's just, let's just kind of step back a little bit in time here. Step back a little bit in time from this meeting to before the meeting and before the brothers had been brought in to meet with Pharaoh. Go back in time when Joseph is he's, he's there with them in Goshen, and he's saying to them, I'm gonna take five of you to go meet Pharaoh. And just imagine how the brothers are, are, are discussing among themselves, you know, some of us are gonna meet Pharaoh. And I wonder what Pharaoh was really like. I mean, none of us have ever met or seen Pharaoh. But Joseph has told us a lot about Pharaoh, and he, he said he's very good. He said he's very kind. But none of us ever known that firsthand. We never met him. I wonder if we're going to find out when we're in front of him that Pharaoh really is good and kind, like Joseph has said. And what a surprise when the brothers were presented to Pharaoh. I mean, you can kind of see in this, like when we are going to be presented to the Father, what suspense, you know, for them. You're going to meet Pharaoh. What will he say? We've never seen him. Heard about him. What's he going to be? Is he going to be kind and loving to us, like Joseph has said? In other words, there was this anticipation on their part before the brothers met Pharaoh to find out if Pharaoh was really as Joseph, really as nice and good as Joseph had described him. And that's a parallel for us because we're like the brothers. We've heard about God the Father from our Joseph, the Lord Jesus Christ, and he said about him in John 1.18, John 1.18, no man hath seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. And then he went on, he said in Matthew eleven twenty seven, Matthew eleven twenty seven, all things are delivered to me of my Father, and no man knoweth the Father, knoweth the Son, but the Father, neither knoweth any man the Father, save the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. So just as the brothers looked forward to the day when they were going to see Pharaoh face to face, and learn firsthand. So that's us. We're looking forward to the day when we're going to see God the Father. And that day came for the brothers, and they found out what Pharaoh was like from verse 6. In verse 6, when it says, Pharaoh says, the land of Egypt is before thee. In the best of the land, make thy father and brethren to dwell. In the land of Goshen, let them dwell. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711-330, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. 
Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Experience a short-term missions trip to Israel, the land and people to whom the Lord Jesus Christ will return. Not only walk where the Lord Jesus walked, but reach who He reached, the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Be a part of the encouraging Jewish friends to receive the Lord Jesus. Israel Alive is all about making friendships with lost Israelis that will hopefully be eternal. We hope you'll join us in reaching the nation of Israel one friendship at a time. For more information, visit us at israelalive.org. That's israelalive.org. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. You are invited to the 4th Annual Taste of Creation Benefit Dinner and Silent Auction in support of the Life and Light Foundation on Saturday, July 14th at 6 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. We will highlight the Life and Light Ministries that include the Creation and Earth History Museum, Israel Restoration Ministries Jewish Evangelism, and the Friendship with God Radio Ministry. Learn how your faithful support impacts the furtherance of the gospel to millions of lost people. All registered guests will take a walk through history and experience amazing foods themed for each exhibit. Everyone will have the opportunity to take home some amazing auction items, and we will hear from Creation Museum President Tom Cantor. The cost of the event is $39 per person and $59 per couple. Register today at tasteofcreation.com. That's tasteofcreation.com. 